Today we continue, or actually we begin, a new series that we have entitled Lingering in the Graveyard. Jesus is the one lingering in the graveyard, and the graveyard is, uh, in a sense, philosophically, the earth. Jesus continues to linger in the Garden of Gethsemane after his resurrection. Mary mistakes him for the gardener. And now today's story is about Thomas, who is skeptical about Jesus' resurrection. And so Jesus lingers for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons is because of his love for us. He doesn't jet off to heaven. Instead, he stays to show us his love, to demonstrate to us that his resurrection is real and that he is truly alive. And he lingers so that we can understand that he isn't just resuscitated, but that he is the new Adam. And that is our focus of today's message, is that Jesus is the new Adam. Why is that so important? Because it's important because that is where we receive our identity as Christians. The whole point of Jesus' death and resurrection was to undo what had happened in the past so that we might have an opportunity to no longer be the identity of the broken, sinful, uh, decrepit people um, that we might have been, but instead to be restored, renewed, a new creation. And that idea of identity, I think, is so important for us today. I know the, the pandemic has caused many to live their lives differently. And perhaps that has also caused many to question who they truly are. And if we start from a deficit, it's especially difficult to believe that we can be a new identity, a new creation. We heard from uh, Pastor Boris and Fernanda this past week, uh, Wednesday night or Thursday night, one of those nights, um, there was a traumatic event at the uh, Casa Dunamis, and uh, that's a s translation of some Spanish and some Greek, Casa House Dunamis is the Greek Casa Dynamis literally means the house of spiritual power. And so in the house of spiritual power, um, as we know, um, there are evil powers and forces that are trying to attack, and that's kind of what happened the other night. Um, one of the girls who has a little baby, a little boy named Teo, um, she tried to take her life and the life of her baby. She locked herself in, lock, locked themselves into the bedroom, the big room where they all sleep, and she set it up on fire. Fortunately, they were able to figure out a way to, to get in and to, uh, to extinguish the fire. The fire department got there, and um, they also were able to save this young girl and the baby. The, the girl, Carla, is now in a psychiatric hospital, and um, the baby, they're trying to work with the state to see if they should um, give this child up for adoption um, because of the ill health of the mother. 
And so lots of decisions that are being made. Um, but also very traumatic for the other girls that live there. These are girls who have been caught up in sex trafficking and are being reformed, changed into new creations. Um, but, you know, the power of evil is strong, and it's easy for us to lose our identity as followers of Jesus, how much easier it is when you start with such a terrible upbringing um, where you have been so harmed as these girls have. So when we think about this new Adam, I, it's, I think this is critically important for, for our hearers today, that the disciples and the followers of Jesus struggled too with their identity. They, <laughs> this was this a week after the first resurrection appearance when this story is taking place. And guess where they are? They are still locked in the house. They're, they're living behind locked doors and locked windows. They are hunkered down. They are not going out. They are living in a spiritual pandemic. Even though they have seen the resurrected Christ just the Sunday before, the, eve, the Sunday evening before, even though they had been to the empty tomb on Sunday morning, and so it is so easy for us, too, to lose our identity as Christians, as followers of the Christ, as these disciples did. So they were living behind locked doors and windows because they were afraid, John says. So what were they afraid of? Well, most likely they were afraid of the Roman authorities. Remember, the Roman officials are the ones that put Jesus to death. They have the power to crucify people. It was a shameful um, and ugly death. And uh, so they're probably fearful of, of some of the Roman officials. They're also very fearful of the religious authorities. The religious authorities had conspired with the Romans in order to have Jesus put to death. And uh, so there's lots of reasons to be afraid. There's lots of explanations of why one might lose one's identity. But... Let's just take a quick walk through a few sections of John to remind ourselves of what Jesus had been teaching his disciples, what he wanted them to know and to remember. In John chapter 8, um, we are reminded that, um, that, that Jesus was trying to help them to comprehend um, that even in the midst of sin, um, that they were going to receive a new identity. Let me go back first. In John 14, verse 6, um, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, no one comes to the Father. No one. That is an important teaching because it includes everyone. No one comes to the Father. We are all separated from God, our Heavenly Father, because of sin. All people, not just certain people, not just certain kinds of people, not just immoral people, not just unfaithful people, all people, no one, Jesus said, can come to the Father. Then he adds this. 
except through me. You see, that is the hope that Jesus wants his disciples to know, is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, they too will be able to come to the Father. You will be able to come to the Father. So all people are separated from God because of sin. The Pharisees and the disciples. No one can come, remember? The, the temple police and the followers of Jesus. No one can come. The Christians and the unbelievers. No one can come. Again, Jesus pinpoints the separation as he debates the Pharisees uh, with his disciples in tow in uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 23 and 24. Um, this is what Jesus is saying. You are from below. You and I, the Pharisees, the disciples, you are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Jesus is helping us to understand. He, is, he helped the disciples to understand that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And when he says that, what he gives us is a, a handle of hope, something to hold on to. You are from below, I am from above. You belong to this world, and I do not. It's not just the Pharisees. He's speaking to everyone. And then he continues later on at the Last Supper in, in John chapter 13. He tells his disciples, where I am going, you cannot come. Take a look at verse 36 of this uh, chapter 13. Um, this is Simon Peter asking, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replies to Peter, you can't go where I am going. You can't go. So what we see here is that our ability to come to our Heavenly Father is impossible. It doesn't matter how important we are, how good we are, how faithful we are, we cannot do it. But Jesus has done it for you. And that, my friends, is the new identity that we want to be talking about. Thomas doesn't seem to comprehend it yet, the way of the Father. But Jesus reassures him and all the others when he says this, from now on, you do know me and you have seen him. You see, the first thing that Jesus tells his disciples is that they can't come to the Father, that they don't know the Father. But then he says, but now you do know him and you have seen him. And he says that because they have seen Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. And so when 
we look at Jesus, we are looking at the Father. When we look at the way that Jesus lives, we're looking at the way that God calls all humans to live. But Thomas still struggles with faith. Even after Good Friday and Easter Sunday, when the other disciples have seen Jesus, Thomas has still not, and he refuses to believe that Jesus is alive. He says, unless I can put my fingers into his hands and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That is what he says to the other disciples. I wonder how many of you struggle with believing in the resurrection. I hear this from many people, and you're not alone if you struggle with this as well. But one of the things about this gift of identity is the identity can transform us from skeptics into believers. Your true identity in Christ can change the way you may doubt to the way that you trust and have faith. That's what happens to Thomas in this story. People who question God are all around us. I remember a, a story that I read in a book uh, written by uh, famous theologian Reinel Niebuhr um, when I was in seminary. The book was entitled Leaves from the Notebook of a Tame Cynic, and kind of a philosopher's um, pun on the title. But in this book, one of the stories that he told was, uh, this is a book about his pastoral ministry. Most of his career, he was a professor of ethics and, and philosophy. Uh, but um, in the first 10, 15 years of his life, he was actually a parish pastor. And even when he was a professor, he would spend summers um, preaching on an island in Maine, a, a, a summer place. And uh, one of the Sundays that he was preaching, uh, one summer, he, uh, this would have been over 80 years ago now, but um, he, he said that um, it was an important justice, I think a Supreme Court justice, who had come to hear him preach. Uh, back in this day, uh, Reinhold Niebuhr was a very, very famous theologian. And um, so he was being sought out after, kind of like celebrities today. And uh, so the Supreme Court Justice went to hear him preach one Sunday. And uh, after the sermon, after the service, he came out and shook Pastor Niebuhr's hand. And he, he said, he confessed to him, he said, I'm an unbeliever, but today you had me believing. And Reinhold Niebuhr's response to him was, well, I'm a believer, but on occasion I don't believe. And they spoke to each other through those comments, honestly, with integrity, that it's okay to doubt and to question. But not only that, it's also important for us to know that God can change us and others from unbelievers to believers. It doesn't happen because we can do it. It happens because the Holy Spirit enters in and transforms us through this gift of a new identity. Jesus becomes the new Adam for you and for me. After 
his expression of doubt, Thomas, Jesus appears to him and the other disciples. It's a Sunday evening, the week following. And as Jesus appears to them, he looks to Thomas. Remember, he was not in the room when Thomas said this to the other disciples. But he heard and he knew. And so he tells Thomas, Thomas, come here, put your fingers in my hands and put your hand into my side. It doesn't tell us whether Thomas actually did that or not. What it tells us is that immediately Thomas exclaimed, confessed, my Lord and my God. His doubt, his skepticism had been transformed into faith and trust. He believed indeed that Jesus is alive. Not resuscitated from the dead, raised from the dead as a new creation, as a new Adam. And so he can now live with trust because he has submitted to God and he believes. St. Augustine said that, that we live our lives in faith. A lot of people want to live our lives with just knowledge, with just facts. And facts are important, don't get me wrong. But as Christians, we live first by faith. We don't have to prove it all to believe it. We have faith and we trust in it because we know who God is through Jesus. And we know that we have a new identity from our Savior. And so for us, it begins with faith. And then faith seeks understanding. Faith seeks the facts and the knowledge. But even as we do that, we remember that the only true way that we can attain that knowledge is by continually standing under God. That's how we will understand God, is by standing under God. So Augustine wanted us to understand that the foundation of our lives is faith. After this faith encounter, Thomas began to see himself in the reflection of Jesus. He was a new identity, a new creation. You might, experience, you might say he experienced this new identity um, when Jesus appeared to him and told him, put your fingers into my hands, put your hand into my side. And that new identity comes to Thomas from Jesus, the new Adam. This is the way Paul describes it in chapter uh, 5 of Romans. I'm going to read three verses, verse 12, and then we're going to jump to verses 18 and 19. In verse 12 of chapter 5, this is what Paul writes. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Uh, I'll just take a moment to explain that we often want to blame Eve for that first sin. Paul's very clear it was Adam's fault. He didn't say when Eve sinned, it says when Adam sinned. So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So from Adam's sin, we all have sinned. From Adam being judged to die, we all experience death. 
Yes, in verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, Jesus was the one who was in perfect obedience, the only one in perfect obedience to God. So because one other, Jesus, obeyed God, many, many will be made righteous. When Thomas saw Jesus and believed, he had a new identity. He was a son of God, a child of God, could be a daughter of God. He was a sibling of Christ, a brother, a sister of Christ. And so as a brother in Christ, as a child of God, Thomas experienced the promise of a new identity. And it was through the one man who was obedient, even to the cross. Thomas begins to comprehend that because of Jesus, the Son of God, he too has become a child of God. And Jesus' death and resurrection are given for all that we might believe and trust in God who has given us a new identity. This new Adam, which gives us this new identity, is remarkable because it puts to death the very thing that condemned us. It puts to death sin. Thomas gets identified in Christianity as the doubting Thomas. I'd like to suggest an alteration. Let's not remember Thomas as the doubting Thomas, but let's start remembering Thomas as the faithful Thomas, the believing Thomas, Thomas with a new identity. Jesus then empowers his disciples, Thomas and the others, with this new life in Christ, this, through this new Adam, by giving them the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit is given twice in our scriptures. It is given once in, in the New Testament by Jesus here in John 20, and then it is given by God in Acts um, when, when we hear the story of the Pentecost. And so this particular gift of the Holy Spirit from, from Jesus is an important one in understanding Jesus' new Adam identity. After appearing before the disciples, Jesus greets them with this important message, peace be with you. Jesus wants you to experience his peace. Then it says that he breathes on them and says to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Well, that's important because it goes back to the creation story in chapter 2, verse 7, when, when uh, God creates man. This is uh, what we have um, reported in the creation story in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, formed him from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, 
and the man became a living person. God sent his spirit over the earth, it's hovering over the earth, to form the man from the dust of the ground and then to breathe, the spirit breathes into the nostrils of the man that he has formed with the breath, with the spirit of life. And the man lives. That is exactly what Jesus is doing as the new Adam. He is bringing about God's new creation. God is wiping away the power of sin and death, and he is replacing it with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the authority of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, as God, is giving new life to the old Adam. We might say to all the old Adams, Jesus is giving new life. Jesus goes from no one can come to the Father to now all are welcome to come to the Father. Come and believe. Come and trust that you are a new creation. This is the message that Pastor Boris preaches to all the girls that come into their home, that they have a new identity. Even though they have lived through this broken past of being used and abused by others, many who had authority over them, that misused that authority, that they now have a new identity. They are a new creation. And you and I have a new identity. We are part of a new creation. Because Jesus can transform our doubts, our fears, our skepticism. He can transform all of that into profound faith. But Jesus doesn't just send us the Holy Spirit. He does something else. He sends us out with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus sent them out when he said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. After breathing upon them, this Holy Spirit, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus is saying, Come on, unlock the doors. Unlock the windows. Open them up. It's easy for us to live in fear with doubts, become so demoralized that we lose all hope. But that's not the life that God intended for us. That's why Jesus is lingering in the graveyard. We're still living like dead people, and we need to start living as people that are alive, alive in Christ. The resurrected Jesus Christ is a reminder for us that through the new Adam, you and I are now alive. His peace is upon you. His Spirit is in you, and you are being sent. I think this may be <clears throat> the most challenging part of this message of being a new creation through this new Adam. We are being sent out into the world, but we may question, where am I being sent? To whom am I being sent? To answer those questions, we have to pray and to listen to God speak to us 
we have to observe the world around us to see where is God, where does God seem to be working? Where is transformation happening? And how is God calling me to be a part of that? We are being sent into the world, a world that needs God's power, a power of forgiveness and grace. And it begins with you and me, but it certainly doesn't end there. So the question may be to ask ourselves this Easter season, where is God calling us to speak a word of forgiveness and grace? to serve those in need. Where is God calling us? And how can we follow the work that God is doing? And as you begin to answer those questions, God is saying one other thing for us to listen to. Not just peace be with you, not just you are gifted now with the Holy Spirit, not just with your being sent, but now Jesus is saying, come on, let's go.